everybody and welcome to episode two of Close Up With Aurelia magazine. We're your hosts, Kaya and Amelia. And today we have two guests and we're going to be talking about sex and masturbation. We have pleasure educator and founder of Sex Toy Boutique, Self and More, Poppy. Hi. And we're also joined by writer Beth Ashley, who's written a lot about sex and pleasure. Hi. And we're just going to jump right in like we usually do and get a bit of background from both of our guests. Um, So Beth, if you'd just like to talk a bit about yourself and what you do and who you are. Okay, uh, Ricard, you forget who you are when someone asks you who you are, don't you? Um, you so really do. I'm a journalist and creative writer. I've been doing this for about uh, eight years. I started very young and I branched into the sex and relationships world about four years ago. I've written for all types of publications. I was a staff writer at Bestless and I've also written for HuffPost, Metro. I'm writing for Poppy at the moment. I've got an article coming to sell for more soon, which is a really cool article I've wanted to write for ages. Yeah, I write about everything from orgasms, masturbation, you name it. Yeah, my grandparents don't read my writing. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, We read that you're really into queer culture. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes. um, So I'm bisexual and um, I don't really have an identifier yet, but I just I kind of use the label queer because I like the... um, maneuvering you're able to have across the spectrum in your own um, personal life without having to um, express it specifically to anybody else so that's why I'm so interested in queer culture because I'm you know interested in the way that I interact with everything in um, all sorts of different spaces and how they affect other people who identify even differently from me so, yeah, I used to write for Pride in London. Um, I used to volunteer copyright for them and I've helped out internally in workspaces in my nine to five with um, making spaces better for queer people. And, yeah, I've wrote a lot of pieces around mental health and queerness as well, which I think is really, really important. It's interesting that you mentioned being a staff writer at Restless because when Amelia and I were looking through your work, there was two articles that really stood out to us that we absolutely love. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of them was about having a sex schedule. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we were just wondering if you could uh, tell the listeners a bit more about that because we, when we went into the article... Um, weren't really for a sex schedule, but you changed our minds. <laughs> it was very laid out argument. <laughs> That's exactly why I wrote it, actually, because I had a friend who was really struggling with their sex life because they had basically, um, I'll just try to describe it without identifying them, they had gone from student to very much adults uh, with adult jobs and um, sex life had gone out the window. And that happens to me and my partner as well. Like we were just humping like rabbits 24-7, like teenagers. And then when we became real humans, we (laughs) really struggled to kind of make that time for one another. And a sex schedule just sounds like the most unsexy thing on earth, doesn't it? Like it just sounds like you're putting pen and paper to something that's supposed to be really exciting. But (laughs) yeah, it's not about booking in things on Outlook or anything like that. It's more about, um, we, me and my partner like to call it the debrief, where basically when we've both finished our work day, we just get in bed and have a big chat and it always turns into sex. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a very unofficial schedule. This debrief can happen anytime. And we still have spontaneous sex and it's really lovely when it happens. But sometimes I think you need to put yourself in the space to be able to go through the sexual motions the same way you would anything else like when I write I need to be in a very specific mood and um, energy to be able to produce and I just see it the same way with shagging my fiance I just need to actually get out of the rooms of the house that I don't associate with sex get in the one that we do um, which is weirdly the living room (laughs) and then just have a chat and you know be with one another touch one another it doesn't have to turn into sex it's important it's not a pressure zone um mm-hmm. but it usually does because we've specifically made time for it and that was I kind of wanted to dispel that misconception that you know uh, people who are in long-term relationships need to go away for a weekend every couple of months to be able to have sex outside of their lives especially people with mm. kids you hear that a lot um, they have to really force that space and it happens so um, infrequently but it doesn't need to be like that and I, yeah. that's why I wrote that piece it was kind of aimed at my mate aimed at me <laughs> and anybody yeah. else who might have been struggling with it 
You're right, it was really convincing. Uh, yeah. What about you, Poppy? Have you ever been a scheduled shagger or are you spontaneous? I love the phrase scheduled shagger. <laughs> <laughs> or spontaneous um, shagger. There's a lot of amazing alliteration happening right now. I know, it's great. Um, no, I haven't really been a scheduled shagger, but I can see now more than ever, especially during lockdown, where your home space has become your workspace and just you're there all the time. So it's really important to actually differentiate like, okay, this is time for sex because otherwise, when will it happen when you're just there all the time? So maybe I've got a future as a scheduled shagger. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But something I've been doing a lot in lockdown is wanking. I feel like I've had a wanking renaissance I really do. more <laughs> on that later because the sex that changed my life is actually from self and more but just before we uh, get into that um beth you also wrote an article which one was it amelia that we love um it's time to add masturbation to our um self-care routine yes what a headline yeah that was yeah. the that was the first one i wrote i think when i started writing sex and relationships content for wrestlers um yeah I, mean, I feel like I'm kind of late to this concept um compared to other people in the sex positive sphere but when I wrote that which I think is 2019 maybe um, yeah, I, think it was. I had like just discovered um masturbating when you're not horny <laughs> I know that's um, probably a really mm-hmm. common concept to a lot of people but I'd basically just kind of worked out um I've always used masturbation as a painkiller that is something I've always used outside of doing it when I'm horny um or you know thinking about um hot celebrities but um yeah it's I've always been able to like banish headaches or period cramps with um uh masturbation and just somewhere around 2019 just before I wrote that article I was just like I'm just gonna start doing it all the time (laughs) as as a mood um sort of stabilizing method and it really really works and yeah I I never stop going on about it (laughs) to anybody that will listen even my mom like (laughs) if she's really stressed out and ranting at me I'm like you need a wank go and have a wank mom (laughs) that's amazing uh yeah so we were wondering um when did you start writing about sex and was there any particular reason for it or was it just like a natural natural thing for you um it was kind of a natural flow so I went to university to do creative writing um from 2015 to 18 and um I was always like the class pervert because everyone was writing fantasy and stuff and I always wrote about sex whether that was non-fiction or fiction I was incapable of writing about anything else I dabbled in a bit of science fiction and I was like no it's not for me back to penises when I started using social media I was like oh there's loads of people like me there's there's poppy there's the girls of um like come curious there was other people who wrote for restless um all different publications I, I basically just found sex writers and friends and sex workers sex shop owners and was like oh it's my pervy family who also love talking about sex 24 7 and I just realized that you could write about it for money I always thought that writing and talking about sex was going to be my passion thing. And then I was going to have to get a real job to sustain being able to talk about and write about sex, if that makes sense. Um, But yeah, that turned out to be very wrong. I was able to actually turn it into a mini career. Yeah, so Poppy, I was just kind of really interested. Your website's amazing, um, Sell For More. Can you tell us a bit about how that came to be? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess the story of self and more is kind of twofold. There's like my personal experience with masturbation and toys and sex. You know, for a really long time, I had lots of unpleasurable sex kind of for the sake of it and for fun and for the experience more than anything. You know, when you're at like university, uh, late teens, early 20s. And it wasn't until I started masturbating and using toys that my sex actually became pleasurable and I started realising what I needed from sex and how to orgasm, you know. I had years of sex with just no orgasms because I didn't know how to tell the people how to work my body. Um, 
And then when I discovered toys, it was like this revolutionary moment in my life. Like, oh, wow, I can do this really quick as well. Like I always thought this was like a whole, a whole thing, you know, like half an hour with your hands, but you find toys and suddenly it's like, okay, I can come in three minutes, like someone with a penis. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even though I'd found that out, the process of buying toys still felt really kind of seedy almost. You either had to go to a high street store and kind of put yourself out there and kind of oh, I don't know even as a sex positive person it still felt kind of embarrassing a lot of the time or lots of the stores online felt very focused from the kind of male gaze of pleasure um very much about kind of like performing your pleasure for your partner's sake rather than kind of self-discovery um mm-hmm. and I just got to a point where I was like do you know what I I could do this better I could do this better I've always wanted to work in sex in some capacity you know like Beth was saying like when you realize that you're kind of just obsessed about it and you want to talk about it all the time and not everyone is like that a lot of people are like that but not everyone and you start realizing like no this should be a career rather than just a hobby um so yeah about two years ago I was made redundant from my job um I got a, a small payout like a month or two's wages and I just put that towards stock for my shop uh built the website um I'm fortunate that my boyfriend is a graphic designer so he helped me out and <laughs> did lots of work for free um and yeah self and more was born and it's just been over the past kind of I think we launched about 18 months ago and it was slow at first but during the pandemic and the kind of the last the last year it's just really taken off and people have responded really well to it and yeah I started alongside you know I was working in marketing still um and then I was able to quit my job in the middle of a pandemic which is kind of terrifying uh but yeah to sell sex toys full-time which was amazing it is amazing it really is and um Beth was saying that you know her grandparents doesn't read her articles what's what's the reaction been to to sell for more for you um friends and you know everyone kind of the same age and the same demographic think it's amazing my parents think it's amazing too they're very they're very out there they're very kind of hippie-ish and I think they're very proud that they've brought up a child that is involved in sex in some capacity so I know I'm very lucky to have that kind of support from them my grandparents don't know I think they would just freak out they're they're very (laughs) (laughs) very very traditional um But yeah, it's funny speaking to like my partner's uh, parents, for example, and his family, because they always just ask really kind of businessy questions rather than questions about like (laughs) sex toys in the industry. They're like, hmm, so what are your profit margins like? Oh, where do you source your stock? And the questions are always like very safe. And I always find that quite amusing. Are they kind of like, can you see them grappling in their mind for like, what can I ask that's not talking about coming? (laughs) Sometimes they veer into dangerous territory. Like his mum was asking me what our best sellers were and it was over the dinner table and I started describing like air pressure toys and blah, blah, blah. And just I could see everyone else's face just go no please stop talking to our mum about that <laughs> oh my god we were gonna ask you actually what the best seller is oh yes so the best sellers as a category suction toys clitoral suction toys are our best sellers by such a long shot as well um and within that you've got the satisfier pro 2 and the lilo sona they're our number two best sellers um i think it's because they're relatively new in terms of the technology rather than vibrators which have been around for a while i couldn't come well i didn't think i could come for years i just thought it was something that my body couldn't do Mm. and then i found out i could come uh, via oral sex with one partner uh, and then from that i can now come during sex because i know my body a lot more but the satisfier changed my life so can i just interject on this uh kaya and i both bought a satisfier at the same time yeah and um kaya's arrived before mine for (laughs) some reason and um i was just you know downstairs doing my thing and (laughs) she came out of room like literally floating (laughs) i've never seen anything like it (gasps) you were reborn i was like amelia she's like are you it's everything okay i was like i've just squirted for the first time (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> couldn't believe it. Like, took a photo of my bed, like, covered in fluid. So, <laughs> so it was my boyfriend who's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I wasn't there. And I was just on cloud nine. Like, you could barely talk. I could barely string a sentence together. It was amazing. I love this that. This is, like, the best ever, ever. But seriously, I honestly mean that. I've tried sex toys and t- with mixed results, but the satisfier, honestly, wow. I love that. <laughs> I love that you're, like, saying that on a podcast as well. Because I feel like so often we talk about partnered sex and like when someone else has an amazing effect on our body we tell all our friends and we're like oh my god i was on cloud nine but i love the fact that we're just here talking about it after after a wank because it is you do have those experiences all the time but people just don't tend to speak about them that much absolutely half past two on a wednesday <laughs> squirting yeah Seriously, it's been amazing and amelia is such a busy person that she's not actually managed to use hers yet i know what? that's your it's homework gonna change her life too <laughs> i know i think i'm quite nervous because you had such an incredible time and i'm like i don't know how i can live up to that so um but i'm gonna give it a go i mean having an average wank is absolutely fine too <laughs> yeah the thing, yeah, the thing people say about having to be totally relaxed, I've found is true for me. Like, and I know that masturbating is a great way to de-stress, but if I'm just not in the right frame of mind, I just don't get very far. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I know what you it's mean. There's definitely a difference between the kind of, like, the wanking for the sake of it, when you just grab a toy and your body's not actually turned on yet, but you just kind of, you're bored or whatever. Um, and then when your body's actually turned on and you're horny and you really want it and you're relaxed, there's definitely a difference between like the release and the orgasm that you have. Um, but both are perfectly valid. <laughs> yeah. And your space has done such an amazing job, obviously not only selling toys um, and you as an individual as well, educating people about pleasure in their bodies. I've learned so much just by scrolling through your Instagram and your mm. website. And I think it speaks volumes that you've got so many like fierce, loyal fans they just really root for you and just love to learn and like you do those really amazing stories where you're like well we're going to talk about the ick shortly but you're like tell me with the experience about the ick and everyone's just like yeah I'll tell you about when someone was eating mayo on their hands after fingers <laughs> oh that's so funny oh my that. god those ick stories cracking me up I was belly laughing <laughs> I, I couldn't there was a couple of them where I was like oh, no <laughs> It brings back, it's flashbacks, isn't it? Beth, do you have any uh, specific icks that you Oh my god, everything. I seem to have dated the grossest people alive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly, the, there's one that's on me, and there was a couple of the ones that were um, being submitted to you last night, Papi, where I was like, that's definitely like on them, that's a weird personal thing. And mine is adults <laughs> eating food that I deem to be for children. It's, I cannot fuck you if you're eating a turkey dinosaur in front of me. I, I hate it. Like, you may as well, like, you may as well put a baby grow on. Um, I'm completely disgusted by you. You are really attacking all of my favourite food right like, now. You have gone for my throat. It's not just dating either. Like, I wouldn't let my mum eat a packet of party rings at a party we were at. I was like, don't do it. Not in front of me. It's so... Not in front of me. I hate it. (laughs) Your poor mum, like, go and have a wank, mum. Stop eating party rings, (laughs) mum. Yeah, my mum is just led by me. (laughs) In all my weird direction. Oh, my God, that is literally such an amazing story. Um, The ick with me, the most recent one I can remember, because I feel like I really do just, like make myself forget things that are traumatic and I do consider the ick to be traumatic but the only one that I can remember is I was on a date with this guy and we went for drinks and it was like an evening thing right so I was like all right he's gonna get a pint or whatever so he 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 does drink he's not sober but he chose to go for a milkshake as his first drink so I was a bit like I know so I was like there with my like I think I you know had a pint or something and he was just like yeah can I have a milkshake so I was like like with whiskey in it and he was like no just not shake so that was a bit of a weird start but I didn't um I didn't abandon all hope just yet because I mean whatever but then um it got to the point where like we'd finish our drinks and we should probably order another drink but he just was like convinced that there was more to get out of his glass and he was just like <sighs> slurping it with the straw just like there was nothing left like you're literally <laughs> <laughs> nothing's happening I'm there like trying to get the attention of somebody so I order another drink and he's just like going crazy and I was like trying to speak to him about his life and he was just like answering like mid slurp 
And in that, in that moment, I was just looked at him and thought, I'm never going to see you again. How old is this person, Kaya? Was it like 10? <laughs> uh, no, so he was actually, at the time, 28 years old. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Amelia, any icks? Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. So many icks. There's one that I really wanted to say, but I don't know if you're going to. No, I say it. The, <laughs> I find it the one, the one where he ran. Yeah. Um, oh, I had the ick really bad. To be fair, the ick did happen a long time before, but this was just like a particularly tenfold turbo ick. And um, he had, it was like when I was very, very young, and I'm talking like school age young, and his dad had got him a PlayStation. Um, but he was like one of the first people on the list. Like I don't know how it works, but he was like the first people ever to get the PlayStation on the first it was ever released. And he was just I don't know what was going on with him, but he was telling people he loved me more than he loved his mum. And uh he as soon as he got the PlayStation, he didn't even play it, he sold it. And bought me these Christmas presents. I dumped him already before this happened. And he chased me down the road, crying, carrying these presents, like, please. (laughs) And I just thought, this is this what is to come with men? (laughs) From then on, it was just very much no contact in the school hall. Yeah, it was, it was, oh God, teachers got involved. It was bad, (laughs) bad, bad, bad times. I'm sorry, but any person who says they love their girlfriend more than their mum, like, (laughs) what the hell? What, there's a lot what to unpack the there, isn't there? Like, there's oh a lot to my unpack. gosh! I mean, it was, it was. I'm talking three months. Wow. The time we were going out on on MSN. <laughs> MSN is where all of the, all the true loves of our teenage years were born. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Poppy. I need you to please tell me if you've ever had the ick. Oh, loads of times. I think I'm a bit like you. I think I've blocked it out a lot. I remember a lot mm. in my life feeling icked out and now when I'm trying to recall them I'm like what? but there was one time I, I went on a date I think I was 25 and I went on a date with a 23 year old which was unheard of for me I prefer an older man um, but I, so I was already a bit icked before I'd even met him just from his age existing um, and when we got onto this day first date he brought a backpack with him and I thought well that's a bit weird maybe he's just come from somewhere and then halfway through the day he kind of like gives me a wink and he's like overnight bag <laughs> Oh, oh I was like, no, sorry, mate. You're, no, so presumptuous, like to bring an overnight so bag on a first date. Also, <laughs> winking is very hit and miss. Isn't it? I think it's very miss <laughs> most of the time. It's very miss. <laughs> <laughs> like, please, because I wink sometimes. Oh, do you? <laughs> sometimes, but like you know, me and my boyfriend have built up a, a relationship of trust. And do I you mean, wink at each other? Yes, sometimes. Oh, it's so cute. She says cute, she means revolt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, wow, that was amazing. I wish we could carry on talking about the ick, but I think we should ask some, some questions. questions. Uh, okay, so we're going to spin the wheel. Okay. First question. Let's start with... Oh gosh, I don't know what's going on there. Okay, this is a good one. It says, if you could have sex with any celebrity, who would it be? Any celebrity? Oh God. Any. I feel like I should have answers prepared for this. Do you know what? FKA Twigs. Yes. I think she'd be just a very good lover. (laughs) I think she'd be exhausted. (laughs) I feel like such pressure to bring out lots of tricks. Like, I feel like I'd really have to (laughs) impress her. I feel like the person that you should never wink in front of is a face because she's just going to leave. (laughs) She'd get the ick so quick. (laughs) So hard. What about you, Beth? Oh, mine's terrible. Um, (laughs) It's, I mean, I I would agree with Poppy, but I don't think I can handle it. Um, I I think I need, like, years of training before I try to have sex with uh, FK tricks. But (laughs) mine is, like, so not currently how this person is, the young version of this person young Gary Oldman um, does does something to me that I can't even explain in words and words are my job I love him like young Gary Oldman that was Dracula and was in Friends oh, and Leon I love him um, oh I mean, gosh I, um, I wouldn't if you'd offered me a thousand pounds to guess who you were going to say then <laughs> Yeah, everyone's always really shocked it's a man for a start. (laughs) 
Oldman. Yeah, Gary Oldman. I just, uh, there's no one prettier than young Gary Oldman to me. The reason I gasped just then <laughs> is because that's who I was going to say. <gasps> no! no! Wow. Gary oh Oldman. God. I used to have quite a bad obsession with him. He used to be, even be my phone screensaver, oh. wallpaper. Oh my God, we're weird. <laughs> wow. I can't believe that. Um, Amelia has a fact about Gary Oldman's family. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I've never heard this, but maybe it's common knowledge. Uh, do you know who his sister is? Yeah, she's, it's um, uh, Mo from EastEnders, isn't it? Correct. Hang on, Big Mo yes. or Little Mo, isn't the two? Big Mo. <laughs> Big Mo. I just find that incredible, to be honest. It's amazing. I'm so much today. That's it. It's a very unlikely sibling pairing. But yeah, I love him. Dracula is actually a like, bisexual nightmare to watch for me because it's Winona Ryder and young Gary Oldman, and I'm like, shit, where do I look? <laughs> <laughs> you need to do a split screen. <laughs> Who's uh, yours, Kaya? Oh, I thought I'd gotten away with that one then. No. Um, sorry to lower the tone away from Hollywood actors, but um, mine's Doja Cat. Oh, Stoja! Again, I think you'd be exhausted. She would. Ex- she'd run rings around me. You, yeah, honestly, like yeah. I'd be quite nervous. I also, I believe in my pleasure giving abilities, but I think I'd just be so overwhelmed. <laughs> like Rihanna is so sexy, but like realistically, I can't give her what she wants, and I know that. And sometimes it's fine to know that. Yeah, I wish men would have this attitude. Like, just sort of. <laughs> tap out early like I, I know I'm not going to give you what I want but do you want to get in the bath and I'll wash your hair or something like, <laughs> <laughs> what was the song Rihanna song it's like sex with me is so amazing so imagine just knowing that she can say that because she knows that no one is going to sell a story and be like actually it was shit <laughs> I believe her like that's fine she can say that yeah. I believe her yeah but Doja me uh, I got drunk once with Amelia and we sent her a message just being like hi <laughs> yeah. we think you're amazing if you're ever in Manchester and like <laughs> come and stay in our house share <laughs> you can stay in our flat like there's a leak but like <laughs> the shower like, doesn't really work too well <laughs> it's not been open she's not read it didn't read the message uh yeah okay so, okay another question Let's should we mm. should we do yeah we're actually going to spin okay number 38 number 38 do you have any early wanking memories like where did it all start yeah i do um you know come curious did something on this uh somewhat recently i say recent pandemic has warped my mind it could have been years ago but it feels like the other day about um like what the normal age is to to have masturbated for the first time and it made me feel so much better because i've always had this kind of background thought of like is there something wrong with me because I'm sure I started at seven and it was nothing to do with horniness it was just to do with finding my vulva and like playing with it and and that just being how I fell asleep and I know that um I had uh relatives who I'm really close with who are my age who were the same but I was like, because no, nobody talked about it in my sort of circles until I was in the sex positive space. And I was like, maybe I'm just, was just a very weird child. <laughs> um, but yeah, they did a really cool um, piece on that. And I was like, oh, okay, so it is normal. So yeah, I definitely have early wanking memories um, that were just how to fall asleep. But I remember doing it for the first time for like, a, um, I fancy someone and this is for them <laughs> when I was like, 15 maybe a bit earlier um so yeah definitely but it, it was always um like analog wanking always with always with a hand like my entire life what was it yeah always um and yeah I, I have never had trouble orgasming either finishing like my, my whole masturbation life it's just always um ended in um orgasm but I didn't. I, that's why I never saw a reason to involve sex toys. But that's not the only reason to bring them in. It's to elevate the orgasm and focus the pleasure differently and try something new. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't involve a sex toy until like I was nineteen. That's that's. I've just shocked myself there. Yeah, I was nineteen and I first used uh, the mains operated magic wand. Um, which is something else. <laughs> Straight in at the deep end there. <laughs> but yeah, I started really, really early masturbating, but very, very late bringing the toys in. 
No, no regrets though. Definitely just bring the toys in. I was a similar age to you, but I didn't know how to do it properly with my fingers. I used to like roll up my duvet and just like hump it until like this feeling happened. And now it's like, if I was to identify it, it's like a very small portion of an actual orgasm. But that's what I would do. And I, I just remember, like, watching a film. I think it was on Nickelodeon or something. And there was just, like, a really fit person in it. And I just wanted... To, I had this urge to, to, like, just rub my body on my quilt. And it, it worked wonders, really, for a small person. Yeah. Very yeah. creative. But I'm glad you said that, because I was around the same age as you. So, thank you. Because I've always thought I was extremely young. Yeah, I've always thought that, too. I've, I've heard of people saying younger, though. Um, so, it, we're definitely not, like, necessarily the youngest um but it is that sort of difference and that a lot of like kids who are doing it it's just exploring their body they haven't married that kind of um thought process that this is for a certain thing it's literally like you say an urge a movement uh simple small things but yeah I mean looking back I'm quite glad that I started really young because I made myself orgasm first before I knew what an orgasm was um so wow that's amazing yeah um I now know that that's something of a like commodity now that I'm older um and that a lot of people uh, have trouble knowing that they can do it themselves and that they don't need someone else so I'm very grateful to have started young but yeah for ages I was like oh a weirdo (laughs) absolutely uh what about you Poppy I'm interested to know about your wanking journey Hmm. yeah mine is kind of similar except so I, I was the same. I was quite young and it would always be about kind of rubbing my vulva on things like my pillow and I, I had a teddy bear or like in the bath, like the faucet, the faucet, am I American? Like the running water. And it was never really, I don't remember specifically like orgasming, but I always remember that feeling good and just doing it because it felt good and not necessarily because of like a specific turn on or anything, you know, like you say, just exploring the feeling. And then it, it wasn't until I was probably, I don't know, maybe early, like teenage before I had sex, then I started doing it a little bit more and actually being like, oh, okay, this is, this is a thing. Um, and I remember getting a very, very cheap vibrator from uh, like a vending machine in a pub toilet. You know, like you have like condom machines oh, yeah. and tampon machines. This one had... That's yeah. such a blast in the past. Yeah. yeah. And th- this one had uh, vibrators and I think a-, a friend bought it as a joke and then I like pocketed it and took it home. <laughs> um, and it was one of those... <laughs> the like, rest is history. <laughs> it was plastic and it was battery powered and I used it and I I still don't know if I really came but I remember like the first time being like whoa this is like this is what I was doing on steroids and being like this is great um and then I kept on using it and I did climax and then the spring broke and popped out of it and it broke and I was back to like manual stimulation for a few more years (laughs) um there was a time wasn't there we could get absolutely everything out of a vending machine Mm. (laughs) do we get like that weird tooth Toothbrush. I was just thinking machine. about that, yeah. the chewy ones. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, a service station. Yeah. Wow. Uh, right, so we're going to spin the wheel again because now I've actually got it working. What is your idea of amazing sex? Great question. Um, I think sex where you're on the same page about what you want to get out of it. Um, but I guess for me, the biggest thing is chemistry and having that connection with someone. I think it doesn't matter whether it's casual or long-term relationship sex it's it's about that kind of mutual connection and being really present in the moment um and it's not about like ticking a list of things off or you know like achieving orgasm seven times or anything like that I think it's just about being like playful and explorative with your partner yeah I agree definitely what about you Beth I I agree with everything that Poppy's just said um amazing sex to me is sex where there's no pressure and while it's obviously important to communicate things like what's on the table and what's not for you um in a way sometimes I'm tripped up by that and need to do it in a very specific way because I don't want those um sort of consent exchanges to become expectations and I think that's really important when you're setting boundaries it's like you know if I if I say 
oh yeah, I really want to do um, anal sex with somebody. I don't want to then put a date on it and then be like, this weekend, yeah? Because <laughs> then, <laughs> then it's just going to be all I think about and then I'm going to get really insecure about my arsehole and it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's one we do not want to go down. So I, I really like there to be no pressure, but plenty of communication. But the best sex for me is kind of when it gets a little bit um, messed up or things haven't gone the way we've planned and we end up laughing but like we're still having sex so like it's it's pleasurable and we're orgasming and stuff but there's also laughter um because that's just the biggest indicator that you're comfortable with someone if you can just laugh together in a sexual space and almost like take the mick out of each other a little bit sometimes like it, it, that playfulness is always what I'm uh yearning for yeah, that's so I totally true. I feel like laughing during sex is so underrated. Like, if you can find a partner that mm-hmm. you can just laugh with, it's so much fun. Mm. Oh, yeah. that's such lovely answers. I know. Growing up, I felt like, I mean, everyone has the same thing drummed into them, even if it's subconsciously that sex is to please somebody else a lot of the time, as a woman or to somebody with a clitoris. Um, and you sort of put your own happiness on the back burner obviously that's mm. something new here but it took me ages to realize that sex was something that was meant to be fun rather than for to achieve a goal um and the first time that i had sex and i was able to just like talk to them or like have a laugh or like something funny would happen and it wouldn't be awkward or stiff it'd just be funny um was a big game changer for me yeah and i, I think that like being comfortable with someone like comfortable enough to not care what sounds you're making or what face you're pulling or how your body Mm. looks from a certain angle and all of those things like when they're in place it's just so much better like when I think back especially when I was younger a lot of the sex I had I was so worried about like am I doing what that person wants like am I pleasing them but like you say Mm. it's about both of you being there and both being just as interested in each other's pleasure that's when the magic happens absolutely um what about you mel yeah i think just echoing what you were saying poppy i think like sex education is a lot to answer for when they say sex ends on male ejaculation because it just you know whether unconsciously or not drums into um people's minds that that's that's the goal that's what we're aiming for and when that happens it's all good um and I think once you discover that actually that's not the case and it doesn't necessarily even have to end in orgasm on either part um you know once you discover that I think it's a it's a lovely thing yeah I totally agree um a question what was your first kiss like (laughs) sorry in advance (laughs) I was talking about this the other day actually um my first kiss was like so sloppy and like I was I think I was about 12 or 13 and it was we'd we'd gone to my friend's farm in Ireland random uh to stay with her family and it was with her cousin who was maybe like a year or two older took me on his quad bike into like into the woods basically (laughs) put me down like picked me up off the quad bike and then just planted this like sloppy wet kiss on me and I was like wow is is that what kissing is it's disgusting (laughs) oh was there tongs there was so much tongue I feel like the tongue was everywhere it was like (laughs) it was just horrible yeah I was really put off kissing for a while oh my god (laughs) Uh, I arranged my first kiss on MSN. With... <laughs> you actually? Yeah. No wonder scheduled sex isn't a problem. I know, I, just, I love a schedule. Uh, <laughs> so we arranged where we were going to meet and we arranged that we were going to kiss. And he'd asked me to be his girlfriend at MSN two days earlier. Um, but this was like our first time like meeting just, just us on our own. So um, it was dark and I was also in a wood. <laughs> so that's interesting. <laughs> and um, I wear glasses and I alternate now with contacts, but that I know all glasses all the time and in my head I was like if I keep my glasses on they're gonna like bash on his face it'll really ruin the moment <laughs> so I took my glasses off in the pitch black in the woods and like couldn't find his face because I couldn't see anything so I'm literally blind as a bat and then all of a sudden his face just crashed onto mine and he just like inserted his whole tongue <laughs> in my gob and just like swished it around a bit and then that was it. And then he broke up with me on MSN two days later. Oh. <laughs> 
I know. Well, who got the last laugh? Because not long ago, he tried to add me on Facebook and I declined <gasps> that. Did you really? Yes, I declined it. <laughs> oh, I say that's what happens. What about you, Beth? <laughs> I think I was also 13 and I had never even, like, pecked someone. So, like, the first time I made out with someone was my first kiss. Um, and I was really embarrassed about that. And, oh, this is a sad... But I'm from a really, really, like, dodgy shithole of a town in the West Midlands that's actually known for, like, its awful rape culture and stuff. But everyone in my school had sex really, really young, like, a bit bit not all right. (laughs) Um, And I was getting bullied when I was, like, 13, 12 for being frigid, which is just a lot in a sentence, but it was really, really bad. And I had been dating this guy who was basically just my mate who I held hands with and we called each other boyfriend I hope he never listens to this <laughs> I was thinking when I was talking but, um, on. we were we were together for like about four years like a really long time from like 11 till 15 and no, never did anything at all and um I just honestly had no interest in anything and we were basically like playground bullied into making out for the first time and it was actually all right um but I just wish there were people like in a circle around us like come on you've been together for two years kiss and we were like oh and he was also like a foot shorter than me because I'm really tall I'm five foot nine and I've been that since I was about 10 um, and obviously boys grow really slowly don't they it takes them ages they look nine until they're 14 and so he was like this just tiny person that I had to make out with and it was so bad and I remember us quickly talking about it this is so embarrassing we'd just seen Twilight and then I watched the making of Twilight with him and the director was talking about how you don't use tongs on screen because it looks sexier so we were like let's not use tongs because then we'll look really sexy doing this and all these bitches are gonna leave us alone so we for some reason decided to have a hollywood style pleasureless but (laughs) very attractive looking kiss in the middle of a playground and that's literally how i had my first kiss I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't know the story of your first kiss. I was just thinking that, and I was trying to think, like, exactly when it was. I remember when I was, like, maybe 12-ish, I was kind of like, you know, we you're going out with someone, but it's not a proper thing. And I remember everyone saying I was frigid as well because I didn't want to kiss him. I didn't really want to go near him, to be honest. Um, so I always felt a bit weird after that. But then I think mine was just very normal. I think we just, like, went for a walk and then, um, yeah, just it happened. You you either do kiss people and you're called a slut or you don't and you're frigid and there's, like, there's no just, like, in-between of being a normal person for some reason in the mm. mind of a teenager. Mm. Yeah. Um, Okay, the one to end on, I think, is porn. Do you watch porn? What do you think of porn? I watch porn. I've started watching it less recently because I've just been having this like weird thing where I feel like I'm um, uh, like I've, I'm in someone's house watching them. <laughs> like I just feel a bit old about it lately, but I'm sure that won't last. I always go through phases of like really loving porn and then being weirdly disgusted by it for a couple of months and then coming back to it. But I've very much changed my porn habits a lot over the last few years. And I've also done the same to for my partner and for anyone that will listen, where I've just been trying to sort of get them off the mainstream things where quite horrible stuff can leak in. Um, you know, like we won't mention any names, but rhymes with fawn fob. Um, <laughs> and I, I have been enjoying porn a lot more over the last couple of years because of that. I basically just use Balesa. And I love the content that they do. And I think they're pretty straight on their ethics and stuff. Um, I don't think there's like a huge amount of um, queer stuff on there and they could do with a lot more of it. Um, but I, I enjoy uh, masturbating to that porn knowing that everyone's sort of consented to being there. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I love Valesa. Massive uh, sort of shout out to them. I they've changed my porn loving um situation massively yeah i think that they um they name themselves don't they as like a feminist porn site because is it because 
I mean, I know why it is, but there's a lot of mutual orgasming going on. Um, not necessarily at the same time, but everyone is coming and a lot of the um, pleasure is like woman focused, isn't it? Um, but I mean, I know we said we weren't going to mention any names, but I will. Pornhub. Um, <laughs> didn't they? Uh, I know they're awful, but did, wasn't there something recently where they've like deleted all unverified content because there was a lot of really awful stuff on there? Mm. Um, and then I remember the reaction. I was looking at it on Twitter, and there's so many awful people that were like, "Fuck this!" Then I'm not going to watch Pornhub anymore. And it's like, so you were actively seeking out the content that's put people at risk, or? Mm. Yeah, it's just such a strange thing. That's, I think that's why it's an interesting question because, um, I mean, people have complicated relationships with porn, don't they? Mm. You don't really watch it, do you, Mel? No, I'm not. And I feel like maybe that's a fault on my part for not finding the porn that's right for me. So I'm definitely going to be looking at that site afterwards. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just find, you know, yeah, a lot of porn to be just a bit problematic, to be honest. Um so, yeah, I'd be interested in seeing... Is there any other sites that you um, can recommend for people who kind of aren't interested in mainstream porn? Oh, um, I mean, Erica Lost as well. A lot of it's paid content. There is some stuff that's uh, free, but, I mean, you should pay for your porn if you can. Um, but that's there, I know, monetized in other ways, but um, not not every um, sort of feminist ethical porn site can. Um, but Erica Lust is really, really good. Um I only really switch between those two because honestly, I'm more of a like fantasist worker. I I masturbate, imagining myself have sex with everybody that I know. <laughs> so I don't actually use porn that often, but when I do, it's usually Belessa and sometimes um, Lust Films by Erica Lust. Yeah, I'd, I'd check those out. Um, Erica Lust has got some very unique porn on there as well. Not like in terms of kink or anything like that, but in terms of how the porn is presented, which is really interesting. I'll look into that. What about you, Poppy? Um, yeah, I used to watch a lot of porn. Like it was basically the only way that I would masturbate would be to watch porn. And then the last few years, I've kind of moved away from that. And because I'm really mindful to try and not form habits, because I know I form habits with masturbation quite easily. Um, so I started to move away from watching porn and started reading more erotica um literotica um and just like erotic stories and then also like trying to use my imagination and then particularly over during lockdown because my partner and I are in an open relationship um so I was just like sexting people and that was my inspiration if I ever wanted a wank <laughs> just to Fair sex enough. instead um we've actually got an article uh coming out on our website in the next week or so all about alternatives to Pornhub um, so yeah some of the ones that Beth mentioned I think are in there and then there's a company called Four Chambers which is run by a artist called Vex um, and they do really like avant-garde out there like porn films that are very they, you're watching like a concept film there's like a lot going on and they're very like queer friendly mm. and very like female pleasure centred again Um and then there's lots of like there's lots of like indie companies starting up now that focus on female pleasure um there's a uh, erotica site called Berlinable and again they're kind of like books of erotic literature but like written by young people rather than kind of you kind of imagine this like long prose of like his throbbing member and stuff like that is like none of that <laughs> it's basically yeah. talking about like actual like i don't know like exploring kink and like dynamics within couples and just like kind of real kind of stories i suppose yeah. um so yeah i used to watch a lot of porn and now i don't watch so much is the long and short of that <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm the same. Um, and just circling back to couple dynamics, uh, sorry if you get asked this all the time, but um, I'm in a very, I guess, typical relationship. Um, and so is Amelia. So we'd be interested in hearing what it's like to be in an open relationship. Mm. If you don't mind talking no, about it. No, not at all. I don't mind talking about it at all. Uh, it's hard to summarise in a in a, <laughs> in a sentence, <laughs> but um, yeah, I love being in an open relationship. I've been with my partner, my boyfriend, for about seven years and we've been open in some regard for about five of those. Um, and it initially started purely as like a sex thing, like we wanted to go to parties and stuff like that. And then over the years, we realised that the kind of like the intimacy of 
like dating and having a connection with people was more important than just the kind of sex so it's opened up really slowly just over time and now I think we've got to the point where we're like okay we're probably polyamorous because I think we're capable of emotions for other people too um so yeah obviously over lockdown that's interesting because you can't really do any of the, the dating or exploring that you would have done pre-pandemic but um yeah, I really like it. Happy to give anyone any advice ever if they want to talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah, things like that I feel like a lot of people want or maybe think that they might want but are too scared to talk about it. Um, are you monogamous, Beth? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I've played with stuff like that in the past. It doesn't work for the relationship I'm in now, um, but it certainly worked in the past and they've also done it in the past with other people as well. Um, I just think for a lot of people... You know, you don't have one friendship or even one source of income these days. So why have one source of intimacy? It completely makes sense for a lot of people. And yeah, yeah, I wish people would talk about it more. I think a lot of people are scared of bringing it up to their partner because they're frightened of what they'll think based on it, which is why awareness is so important. Like if your partner turns around to you and says they might want to open this up, it's not something's wrong with you necessarily. Um, yeah, that's why people like Poppy who uh, talk, talk about it openly um, so much are really, really helpful. Yeah, that's that's so true about like bringing it with your partner. It's never like I'm not getting enough from this relationship or you're not enough for me. It's I think I could have capacity for more love or, you know, I can see myself being poly rather than like it's because you're not enough for me. <laughs> um, mm. But yeah, I, I've become surprised actually at how many people are in kind of alternative relationships or non-monogamous arrangements of some description. Um, like I use a dating app called Field, which you can join either as a single person or you can join with your partner and you both have accounts and they're linked. And just seeing like the vast amount of people that are on there doing the similar kind of thing to you is just like, it's really like affirming, I suppose, because like you say like not everyone talks about it and I like I would before I had my business I worked in offices and I would never speak about like the fact that I was in an open relationship with my colleagues because I guess most of the time it just doesn't come up but like you know you don't just say like oh yeah we went to a sex party on the weekend do you if you're working in an office it's not really appropriate <laughs> but the amount of people who are doing this stuff is actually really high yeah and I think the more that people talk about it openly and the more people just continue to talk about sex openly the closer everyone will get to understanding who they are what they want mm -hmm. and also understanding each other a bit more and you're both doing such an amazing job of that oh. you really oh. are uh, in in two different ways but are just so educational and, and brilliant mm. um <clears throat> but yeah we're just so happy that you sat and spoke to us really i know it's so been really yeah really kind of eye-opening really just to hear all your perspectives on things yeah thank yeah. you for having us this is really really fun thank you so much oh, thank yeah, you this has been really uh, fun yeah, so we do a whole episode just on the ick i know <laughs> i was thinking that earlier like there's definitely scope for that because i had so many ready to go and went with the milkshake one which was terrifying but there's so much more um <laughs> yeah but that's the end of this episode so thank you everyone so much for listening and um, of course we'll be linking um beth and poppy so you can get to know them a little bit more if you'd like to. But yeah, we'll be back soon. Thank you very much. Bye.